You're listening to the Virgin Radio Pridecast. The next programme may contain material that is distressing and listener discretion is advised. Quite a Queer Conversation. Virgin Radio Pride. Welcome to Quite a Queer Conversation with me, Gareth Joyner, better known as Myra Dubois. And me, Latrice Royale, on Virgin Radio Pride. Uh, This is the show where we have a whole host of questions which will be selected at random, and we will answer this as openly and honestly as we possibly can. So we've been presented with a, a, a list of questions to ask each other. So shall I pick one first to ask sure. you, Trace? Okay, I'm going to pick a... Um, okay, we'll start with a positive one. Who is your ultimate gay icon? Um, I, I, it's kind of cliche. Is but that I, is, I love RuPaul. Oh, really? Yeah, no, this just changed the world. And that has nothing to do with any contracts to World No, hell no, no. <laughs> I have no binds, nothing to I the world. I can confirm there's no one holding anything no, it's the just, head. You know, it's just really the uh, the fact that all that she's done through uh, Drag Race mm-hmm. and really putting us on a platform that is a viable um, career and people take us serious and we are making money and buying homes and we, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we have security in yeah. our lives and, and and it has put it on a global scale where there's drag brunches everywhere. Oh my God. World, yeah. You know, and so... Um, Paul has made many straight white girls happy. Really has. <laughs> and so like, you know, it's kind of cliche, but like if you're talking about gay icon and change the the entire world and personally my life, mm-hmm. that is the person. Fair enough. Pick one for me. For you. Oh, if you could work with anyone, who would it be? Well, Latrice Royale. I mean, other than obviously. myself. Obviously. <laughs> present, present company excluded. Um, I don't know. It's a funny old question, isn't it? Because they say never meet your idols. So I want to throw out someone, you know, who maybe I'm obsessed with, you know, but um, which would be more along the lines of like David Bowie or Tim Curry. Oh. But then if you met them, it might be awful. And then you'd have a terrible time. Well, part of it would be you have to be dead to meet him right now. You would. <laughs> I'm assuming there's some sort of supernatural Ouija board, shot glass on a Trivial Pursuit board thing going on. I don't know. Um, I love Patricia Routledge. Do you know Patricia Routledge? I don't. Uh, Highsmith Bouquet. Do you guys get keeping up appearances in the US? We do not. Oh, well, Latrice, you're in for a treat. I'm going to have to send you links. To oh, please sitcom. do. She's, She's very funny. I think if you saw... Uh, Patricia Routledge, you would then look at Myra and go, oh, that's where she got it. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, 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 I do, yeah. Oh, I love that. How has the pandemic affected uh, the drag? Well, are you very involved in the drag thing here? Um, Yeah, kind of. I sort of do my own thing. Um, I've never, I don't do the the lineup shows or anything. You don't work on Thursday nights? No. So I've never done, I mean, drag in the UK is very different to the US anyway, in that most of the shows, it's one performer on stage for like an hour. Oh, like one woman show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in in the US, from what I've seen in the bars, there's like a rotation of five or six of you and you come out, do your number or a number place while people collect money. That that part, (laughs) that part. And um, (laughs) so I've I've sort of grown in isolation. There is a drag scene, um, but I, I... kind of sort of float around it rather than being a part of it. But I understand the pandemic has affected it by sending it online. Yeah. Everyone's doing Everybody's digital. digital. Did mm-hmm. you do digital? I did do some digital. Um, it was basically how I got through because 
I was not going anywhere. No. And <laughs> you were not going to catch me in nobody's bar. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I did a few digital shows. And um, during the holiday, especially during Christmas, I put on a digital Christmas show. Mm-hmm. And I did my one woman show, Here's to Life, digitally as well. Um, but um, I'm done with that now. How did you find it varied, though? Because doing digital is very different from <laughs> oh feeding God. off a live audience, isn't it? You said it. Um, it was vi- like that initial feeling is very like lackluster because you don't, mm-hmm. you're not getting the applause, you're not hearing, or that just the energy exchange between a live audience. Yeah. And so trying to get that through a computer screen while you're squinting and looking at hearts go up. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not. I found that the, I, so I did a bunch of streaming on Facebook and YouTube. Other platforms are available, Virgin Radio. But, um, and I, fa- I preferred Facebook because of the love heart reactions because it was something. On YouTube, you get nothing. You get nothing. Nothing. No, nothing. So at least with the little reactions floating off. <laughs> That's not the only way you oh, know so you're they are watching. They yeah, are, they're, they're so there. it switched from heart to ha-ha. So I'm like, okay, so <laughs> that was funny then. Good. Good to know. It's the only way, but like, it's like, you don't even get the fullness thereof because no. you have to wait to go back and rewatch it to get all the. I found that it was good to just play it into the camera right down the barrel and just imagine you were talking to one person. You have to. And it was a, like just a weird gig where there's just one audience member. So you're like, right, I've got to do it to you. And <laughs> and somehow everyone that is watching thinks they are that one person. Yeah. And well, that's great yeah, for yeah. that aspect. Mm. Yeah. Everyone gets to feel so, personal. And I think it's. Um, I think to go back to the question, the pandemic affecting drag, I think it's opened things up because before it was, well, who do you know at what bar and how do you know them and how do you get a spot and who is going to give you 10 minutes on stage? And now anyone with a computer and a Twitter account can generate an audience. So Correct. I think it's uh, it is opened a few things. I don't think it's going to go away. It won't replace live shows, but no. I, think, I think it is now a new... I think there's more to it. Yeah, there's definitely more to it. I feel like that some of the things that happened during the pandemic will stick and we will uh, continue to use because um, honestly, uh, you know, if I don't have to leave my house, Mm -hmm. that would be great. Yeah. You know? And I still get paid? Yeah. That's wonderful. That's it as well. Digital drag, the commute is brilliant. <laughs> the commute is amazing. <laughs> I go upstairs, get my gig, come yes. downstairs, and it's a wrap. <laughs> I love that. Okay, let, me, let me pick one for you. I'm going to pick a, 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 a negative one now. <laughs> what is your pride pet peeve? My pride pet peeve? Yeah. I think I just saw it walking to work today. Yeah. Like, I was assaulted by penis. Oh no. Like, you know, I'm all for looking and I, you know, it's great. Yeah, if you got it, it's blowing it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. But this was like outright, like, you see this microphone? Mm-hmm. It was this microphone and twitching and poking out of his pants. Like I'm just thinking about kids and you know, oh, so you're quite a, a conservative. When it comes to public. Okay. Like when so we're how at- do you feel about the King Cup Pride conversation? Or is that, is that, <laughs> you know, start a Twitter storm? I mean, 
I mean, you know, it is jarring when you're out and you see someone and they're in a pair of leather chaps and a ball gag and a pop mask and a and then next to them there's a five year old with the Dora the Explorer t-shirt and an ice cream. Oh my god! Yeah, Yeah, there has to be a kind of balance. I mean, I'm all for you know being proud and being out and doing your thing, Mm -hmm. but like when it comes to like when there's kids and we already have a stigma against us, Mm -hmm. it just further feeds it to me. Okay. And it was kind of perverted. And for context, well, at the time of recording this, it is it's supposed to be Pride in London today, isn't it? But well, there, there is a trans pride going on. But it, yeah, it, that one, that, that I just think you gotta have some kind of. It's something I don't think I have the answer to because I do understand visibility. You talk about stigma and visibility, visibility destigmatizes. However, it just does jar with me. <laughs> what I want to know about you mm-hmm. is. Um, which song would be the soundtrack of your life? Oh, it depends what mood I'm in. Because sometimes when you've got the earphones in and you're walking around the shops, I like a bit of like um, Dinah Ross theme from Mahogany. Oh, you, you, you feel like you're outside. Yeah, but then sometimes... <laughs> But then sometimes you want more sort of like sweet, um, Tim Curry sweet transvestite kind of thing. So it depends on I mean. Am I feeling wistful? Am I feeling romanticized about my life? Or am I feeling aggressive? These you are know, the things. Yeah. So I don't know if I could pick one song that would be the theme to my life. Um, what a question. I don't know. I well, I mean, you kind of answered it. I mean, those I are, did. These, these are these are definitely. I think the theme song to my life is on shuffle. <laughs> Definitely do. Like, what about you? I want to find that question back at you. Oh, oh my God. I mean, oh, that is a good one. Mm, yeah. That, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I hadn't thought about it. Um, the song that we read, huh? You know, because I'm such a like humanitarian <laughs> and I'm always that girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a Stevie Wonder song. Okay called Love's in Need of Love Today. Okay, I don't know that one. It's from the Songs of the Key of Life. Mm-hmm. Um, songs in the Key of Life. Um, back in like, I think it was 72, 73. Um, but it's, uh, it's just a really beautiful song. And it's about, it was at the height of uh, the civil rights movement yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but it's still, obviously, unfortunately, very relevant today. Sure. So, um, but it's just it just talks about you know taking care of your fellow man and mm-hmm. woman and being a brother and sister and loving each other and understanding and compassion and all that. That's what we need more of in this world today. Oh, so that's you gave kind of, a much more philosophical answer well, that's than what me. I, <laughs> how was coming out to your family for you? Like letting them know that you are um, this cis middle-aged woman. <laughs> uh, you mean the drag coming out or the gay coming out? All of it. All of it. Um, so I, I didn't so much come out. I kind of fell out. I was... <laughs> <laughs> My mom had asked me on two separate ta- occasions before coming out if I was gay, but I was very young and I didn't know how to answer the question. And it was one of those sort of moments where, you know, where... Um, you're, you're sort of hiding something and it's dragged out into the light and you weren't ready for it and you sort of go cold and numb uh-huh, at the same time. Yeah. And you do, I think I think now we call it disassociating. Uh-huh. And I was like, mm-hmm. So I did that twice. Uh, and then a third time, she um, 
there was a I borrowed a book from the school library called How to Be a Happy Homosexual, which I believe is still out there. Oh. And um, I was keeping it like a precious little egg under my bed. And my mum went into my room and I grabbed the book and ran out and she wanted to know what I'd run away with. And then she later said to me, is it something to do with you being gay? And for whatever reason, I just went, yeah. And then I reacted worse than them. I couldn't eat yes. dinner with them. Oh my I was God. so embarrassed. I was oh. so, yeah, couldn't, couldn't. Uh, and uh, they were fine. There was some stuff with my grandparents. They're like, you know, I was, my mum told my grandparents, which I wasn't ready for. And I was sat down oh. at the table and I was told, we don't like it, but we love you. And that was meant to be like, a, isn't that good of us? And I was like, no, that first no, bit. That first, that first bit. <laughs> so, um, but they're okay now, but. They hadn't known any gay people or any queer people. And so I was like the first one that they knew beyond a stereotype in the media. And so you have to, oh, you don't have to, but I choose to cut them some slack on it. You're like, yeah. you know, and I'd, I'd been getting used to me being gay for a long time before they had to get their head around it. So, um, and you know, it's, it's okay now, but my, my nan still chooses to say, have you, have you met a partner yet? You know, it's never gendered. Correct. <laughs> in hopes. Yeah. Just in hopes. <laughs> How about you? That's a juicy question. I'm going to pat that one back over as well. What was it? But uh, you're coming out. Oh, Jesus. I didn't come out. I was pulled out. Okay. Because this out. would have been a different generation to mine as well, because you're like a generation before me. Correct. So it would have been a different landscape. Yeah, it was um, very traumatic for me. Mm -hmm. um, actually, um, you know, I, I talk about it now in my documentary and my one woman show, Here's to Life. It's, um, it was my brother who outed me and he, and, and wasn't even so much um, that he did it with any kind of, like he didn't do it with any tact. It was the most cruel oh. uh, way of doing it. Like, so first of all, I haven't even come to terms with my sexuality. I was hanging around with my friend um, who was gay and he was older than me by like five, four or five years, five, five years older than me. But he was openly gay, living at home with his parents still, but um, everyone was fine. They were all mm -hmm. cool with his sexuality. And so I was kind of like hanging around because I sensed there was something in me that connected with him on that level. And were you aware of this or do you think it was a subconscious thing? I was pretty aware. Okay. Like, you know, I like you, you have the feeling and you know that mm -hmm. you're different and you're gay and you see things different. Um, and so I knew. So that's why I really gravitated towards him because I felt like he was someone I could learn from. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had rented some dirty movies oh. back when you had to go to the, you know, to the video paper store bag. and paper bag. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> so the paper bag that was, had it stapled, I put it, I, I hid it in my room. I had one of them drawers, uh, the, the, the beds that had the drawers underneath. Mm -hmm. So I pulled out the drawer all the way, put the thing underneath my bed, put the drawer back, left, thought it was fine. And my brother had one snooping in my room. Oh. I found the videos. And so when we sat down to dinner, and got done eating. He was like, you know, your son's a <gasps> oh no. Yeah, to my mom. And I was just like, what? Who are you talking about? What are you talking about? And he's like, I found your dirty movies, and, da, da, da. and, and like, and then we got into this huge fight and got physical and we fought. My mother was crying, trying to break us up. Uh -huh. And we rumbled and tumbled around the house. And then I had enough because my mother was getting more and more upset. And I was like, I wasn't hicking it no more. So I left and I, I, I walked five miles to a friend's house and I made a phone call and made arrangements to leave that night. 
And I came back home and packed and mm -hmm. kissed my mother goodbye. And I never looked back. And was that because of the relationship with your brother or your mother? Because of my, my brother. brother. My mother was begging me not to go, especially mm -hmm. under these circumstances. I was like, well, I can't deal with him. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I left and uh, I was only 19. Um, but uh, I knew that I wasn't going to live this way. And I, if I was going to ever be happy and free and find myself, I had to go away to do it because living with them was not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So luckily, through forgiveness and love, we have done a 180. And my brother was the first one down the aisle. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that's are. nice. I yes. like um, happy yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I just talked to him like uh, a week ago. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago was, was his birthday. So we spoke and I'm going to get him some London swag. I'm assuming oh, we've got plenty of that. I know, I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to know, um, do you do we understand each other's accents? And I want to open that up to the general, everyone's <laughs> accents in the show. Um, I understand everyone's accent. Um, I'm learning more about references uh, right. than because this show Death Drop is a very British uh, British reference point. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. so I've learned a lot of cultural differences and and what you call things and what things are mm -hmm. over here, um, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, granted, you know the crispy pancake situation. I don't know why people would buy that, uh, but. <laughs> As a kid and as a poor person back in the day, yeah. I would have like gobbled that up. That mm -hmm. would have been like put some hot sauce on it and then you I think you've just cost yourself any future advertising kind of opportunities with <laughs> Oh, I am crushed. <laughs> no Latrice Royale for the new face of Bird's Eye Christian. They're from Bird's Eye? Bird's Eye now. They used to be Findus. In Get the out. 90s, it was Findus. That's why in the show we refer to them as Findus, but they're both. Ah, yeah. see, you are educating me still. On really pointless shit. Pointless. <laughs> I love it, though. Um, but so yeah. the accents. I think the thing with accents is we're so used to each other's media now that, yeah. um, that I kind of know all the American colloquialisms and idioms and everything. Mm. And, and also, drag has really brought that over. That part. The, the, you know, the whole shade and reading and all this stuff that has sort of mixed into um, British drag slang, which is, I quite like because the, the, the predominant sla drag slang was Polari in the UK. Do you know Polari? I do not. So Polari is like a cant slang um, and it was a mixture of sort of like Yiddish and Hebrew and <laughs> carnival oh. talk. And so, uh, and it was used by gay men probably in like 40s and 50s and 60s at its height. And um, it was like um, Bona Tavada Yadoli Aldeek, which means nice to see you. And Omi Pallone, so Pallone is a man and an Omi, Omi is a woman and an Omi Pallone is a, a feminine man. Oh, okay. And it was all, and so there was bits of uh, that and that was, and but because Polari was such a snowball of other cultures and things, I think that now the American drag has come over. It's like the next evolution of the same thing. Got it. So it's kind of like this really gorgeous patchwork of all these different words that mean things. And there's some, I mean, some words from Polari that made it through to the mainstream, like naff. I don't know if you guys say naff, but if something is naff, it means it's not very good. And so, uh, and so that's sort of how it evolved. But anyway, that was a little detail. But the, um, but certainly the understanding each other. I think the media and the internet, the age of the internet, 
has changed all of that. Oh, truly, mm -hmm. truly, truly, truly. What is your favorite thing about starring in this death drop? In death drop, um, it's working with other people. As I said before, um, my work is quite solitary. Like I have my shows, I do my solo shows and I take them everywhere, but it's usually just me and the team. And so I'm the only sort of performer in it. And I loved that rehearsal period where we've all got the scripts and we're still kind of doing it where we're trying out lines differently, yeah. saying them a little different, yeah. trying to get little, uh, like I love, I always treat performing like, you know, sort of like when you're sculpting a pot out of oh, clay. Absolutely. And so throughout the whole run, you're still sort of smoothing it and mm -hmm. making sure it's, and so um, I enjoy that and just playing ping pong with, bits and, and just working with people yeah. so that's been the nicest part about it and working in a beautiful theater as well absolutely with yeah. people with people two people that you can hear <laughs> laughing <laughs> socially distanced behind so, their masks behind their very masks. responsible very very but they're, they're here in life what about you what's been your favorite thing um you know the same the fact that i'm um uh, here period uh working in this environment is um uh, it's a dream because uh, I, I have a love for theater. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if this experience was going to measure up to the passion. You Whether know? it was as fun on the stage as it is Correct. in the audience. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, obviously I'm having a blast. I can't, I, I can't look at some of you during certain scenes because okay. I will break character. <laughs> I, would, I just can't. It's just ridiculous fun. And, um, this has been a different dynamic and muscle and training and discipline for me. I mean, granted, I'm a workhorse and I'm used to doing shows mm -hmm. and I'm used to being on tour and we're always traveling and doing a new city every night, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but to be able to sit and have all your stuff in one place. Oh, it's so nice. Oh my God. It? The dream. The, it's a dream. Yeah. And what it's done is now ruined it. It's for anything else, because <laughs> having to go to work with a two suit baby and, <laughs> and get readiness to a mock bucket yeah, yeah, yeah. in the in the closet. No, the, these are the things that, you know, you know. So, yeah, I have uh, definitely fallen in love. So building on that question with a question not on the, the list, really? how has doing this show affected your work going forward, do you think? Um, it has affected it a great deal because now I, um, you know, there's a, another level of value and worth. Mm -hmm. And so once you achieve that, it, you can't go back. And like, for me, I'm always one of the people like, I'm always trying to elevate. Mm -hmm. And if I were to go and perform at a nightclub at two in the morning <laughs> and do these things that I'm talking yes. about, um, dealing with promoters who may or may not pay you and all this kind of thing, that's just a step back. And mm -hmm. I feel like I've done that for 27 years, yeah. you know? And so now I get a chance to pick and choose the projects that work for me. And I like for me going forward, mm -hmm. theater, television, and film is really my sole passion mm -hmm. and, and goals in life. So um, this has proven and shown me, especially during the pandemic, that um, there is a market for me now. Um, whereas years ago, people didn't know what to do with me. Mm -hmm. And I know that it took some time for people to come around and my size, statue, color, all of this, teeth, everything mm -hmm. had an effect on uh, me being seen to the masses. And now I think that we have evolved enough and got to a place where 
I'm being used in the right way. And, and Death Drop has definitely helped me see the light and I'm enjoying it. Quite a quick conversation. Virgin Radio Pride. Thank you so much for being a part of our Quite a Queer Conversation with us here on Virgin Radio Pride.